78 to 79, okay? And then, uh, you know, and starting the Environment Leadership Program, greening of Xerox Corporation and Corporate America. So those are some of the off the thing, starting companies and mentoring entrepreneurs. At the same time, you know, mentoring social entrepreneurs and then young kids to come up to see what the future can be like and to make that future happen. So we talk about the, we will talk about the internet, which was the future, we didn't know how it was gonna happen when we did it. So I got involved in 68, 69. Wow. And and I was in the first meeting even before any network was started when they were planning it at the Pentagon. Wow. And then Vint Cerf and Steve Crocker, they joined, you know, they started at Lenny Kleinrock, okay, uh, in UCLA, and JCR Licklider, who was before the ARPA IPT, he was there. And he's the one, and another Rob Stotts, who I was in a different group. So I went there for the start of the planning of the internet because I was interested in networking. I written a paper in 68, which was quite, you know, 67, 68. So they invited me to come to this Pentagon meeting with Bold Brannick and Newman, who started the first packet switching backbone of the network, which is now called, you know, it was called IM, Interface Message Processor. Now they are the routers. These are the things that route information on the network. Then there are hosts, which are every PC that is connected is a host. But at that time, you have to imagine, put yourself back in the mid six to late 60s. You know, a mini computer was a big machine. Okay, a large computer was a huge machine occupying a whole air conditioned floor. And it had less core memory than any of the PCs that are there, like six megabyte was considered a huge internal memory. Okay, anything over two megabytes was a mainframe. Mini computers were something like between 256 uh, or 128 kilobit to about a megabit. Okay, now you have to imagine how a network is developed with these constraints. Uh, the removable magnetic media was not there. What they had was magnetic tapes. So the information, if you have to transfer, you put on a tape and it took many hours to take what we takes you a few seconds to load on your pen drive. And they were, you know, okay, so 256 megabyte was a huge magnetic tape. So you have to see the constraints and then you'll understand why the internet was developed as it was, okay? It was not called internet, it was called ARPA network, not even DARPA. ARPA stands for Advanced Research Projects Agency. So I went to Department of Defense and they were talking about how we're going to do it. The underpinning of this was uh, the mainframe, how they justified to the US government that if a city was bombed, they didn't want the computer or network to be destroyed. They wanted to remain alive, like, you know, uh, like an earthworm, you know, you cut it, new forms go and start forming and regrouping, okay? Or information. So if you cut any node or any branch, things will reroute automatically. So the rest of the network will remain connected and working. So the decentralization was an absolute key principle. And the reason that's important is because it takes away central control. And that is how things progress much faster when you leave everybody to do the thing. But however, everything needs to be coordinated. Yeah. So once Bolbranek and Newman brought this packet switching network, we had to connect what are called what are called hosts. Okay. So first there were three hosts that you have to uh, get anyway started. UCLA was there, and I think uh, Bolbran not Bolbranek and Newman. There was two other hosts. Okay. And then MIT was host number four or five. So I connected the MIT Multics and my friend Bob Metcalf, who also was inventor of the ethernet, he connected the PDP-10. So we had a little race. Okay, who will get connected first? It's like uh, race multi- we had with Russia. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Multics was a huge computer. Okay, PDP-10 was a smaller mainframe. And it was kind of, you know, pretty much. So I got the PDP uh, Multics 
and Metcalf got the PDP-10. So we had to develop, I had to develop hardware, design the hardware myself, as well as some of the software, okay, to make sure that the host connected to the other host, uh, at least uh, some message, but you can't understand what they were connecting, okay, at least with the message processor, true, true. okay, and then to the network. So uh, I think uh, we had, uh, okay, so I think what we had was, uh, and you know, it was my first kind of experience. You know, I had been, I had done some hardware debugging and thing, and you know, these were little transistors and little integrated circuits just started to come. Now you're looking at uh, end of 69, early 1970. So I, I'd look at the specs that were there. They were given in a sheet of like 20 sheets. From there, you have to take the specs and the multics had a huge, their own, interface specs, how they expect signals, how they're giving signals. So you have to make something that would translate these signals and put it into a form that Multics would accept. It was a little bit challenging. I call it Jim Spiff, okay? Uh, G Jim Spiff, what is that? Okay. That's funny word. Okay, G, G, okay G, 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 uh, there was a G645, one of the most advanced uh, hardware on which Multics was sitting. Multics was a software. Okay, for multi-processing system, multics, okay, multi-computing systems. Okay, and JIPSPIF was GE. I imp was an interface message processor that Bold Bananek and Newman had developed, a special processing interface. So JIPSPIF. It sounds, okay? sounds like my and, and you know, and, and the huge logic was so huge that I used Carnot maps, which I had learned at IIT Kanpur. You know, Carnot maps, if you're an electrical engineer, you know what Carnot maps are. They enable you to take a huge logic thing and compress it into the most simplest logic system that has the same thing as the huge logic. Okay? So oh. that was manageable to put on a back of a panel and had to do the wiring. You know how these things would think it, sometimes they were soldered, sometimes they were little wire pins on which you wire wrap the wires. Okay? That's how things were connected, okay? So I had to build it myself. I had to saw the back panel. I had to go machine something using a lathe, which is what we learned in workshop at IIT Kanpur. IIT Kanpur, you know the workshop? Remember, first, remember in the first couple of years, you have a lathe, you need to operate it, you need a filing system. So I used yeah, all I those learning. things, the tools. <laughs> so now the tools that we were taught, okay? I had to use them to build the first interface, okay? And lo and behold, there were few bugs, but by and large, I, once the hardware was built, uh, debugging and testing, it took a couple of weeks, and it was running. Wow. Metcalf was working in parallel. So Metcalf got the hardware, I think, a few days later, but he got the software working first because PDP-10 was a simpler system. Ah, okay. And I had Multics people who were, you know, working with me, you know, to put it there, but, you know, they... Metcalf had in a smaller group because it's smaller processing. It was a lot of fun. It's so amazing. we called it a tie. It's amazing. So, you know, yeah. uh, people like me. We okay. So, yeah. so, so coming back to the development. Yeah. So, so once the computers were connected, we had a meeting at UCLA with Lenny Kleinrock, Windsurf, Steve Crocker, few other people from different uh, universities and research centers. And Paul Brannock would come and say, okay, you know, now we got this kind of working. Okay, we've got five, six computers connected. What are we going to do with it? Okay, we need to share information. We need to the computers to understand each other. Now, some computers were eight, eight bit uh, bytes in those computers. Some were 16 bit bytes. Some were 36 bit bytes. Some use hexadecimal. Some use uh, different kind of coding schemes, 32 bit processors, you know, 24 bit processors. Okay, some were like 256 kilobit core memory. Others were like uh, six or eight megabyte was the biggest computer and out of the six. So we sat down and we said, okay, we're gonna have, have to develop some protocols. Okay, and uh, so how we transmit, Bolbranek and Newman is a packet switching network like routers, they're out information. Once the information comes there, what do you do with your computer, okay? So we said, okay, we're going to have 
um, kind of a transmission control program. Okay, IP came later. So TC, when you say TCP/IP, TCP is transmission control program slash internet protocol. So TCP became transmission control protocol, TCP transmission control program, and IP was the internet protocol, which comes later. But this was one network only. So I'll talk, come to the internet part later. Okay. So once we got that going, okay, uh, we said, okay, how are we going to do that? You know, okay, uh, how do we acknowledge? How do we make sure that the packet that is sent there comes from a different thing is assembled correctly? Okay. So how? Do, so we have something called RFNM, RFNM, request for next message message. Okay. So this, uh, if you go in the down in the, nobody deals with this thing because it's all in the trenches. Okay. So we said, okay. So once we got the transmission part working, so we could get a message from one host to another host. Now the next thing is, how do we connect to the host? So we developed something called an initial connection protocol, ICP. Not internet protocol, TC, not TCP, not IP, but ICP, initial connection protocol. So you could make a connection to it and they, they will assemble. Now these two hosts could talk to each other, okay? So initial connection protocol works. So we said, how do we do the application? So one of the common application was that if, if you had a computer and you were working from a terminal, now they had teletype terminals, they had little small uh, display computer terminals that were tied to the network, okay, tied to the uh, host computer, okay? Now, if you were sitting at the terminal, okay, wanted to use a host in, uh, in LA, and you're sitting at the MIT computer, how do you connect to host at LA? So we call something called a telnet protocol, okay? That means it allow you to uniformly connect to any computer on the network, okay? Using initial connection protocol, and then using the telnet protocol to communicate and use that computer like it was your own computer, like you were connected, your terminal was connected to that computer, okay? So that was the first application that we got working. The, then I said, you know, I, I was interested in applications. So I said, you know, the TCP part is working fine. So I was involved in that working group, but I said, I want to start something that we can actually transmit files from one computer to another computer and also be able to use emails. Because those are the two principal applications the that were there besides. Around that time? Okay. What? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you about email. Right. Email was there for a long time. I mean, Multics has its own email system. Bolbranek has its own email system. And UCL has its own email system, but within one host. Got it. Got okay. it. That's what I was about to understand. Okay. Okay. It was only within one host. Like if I was an MIT Multics user, I could send another Multics user an email. Okay. Was it called you can call it message or, or email. Something else. Hmm? Was it called email at that time or you used to call it something? It was called email. It was called email. I mean, mail through electronic, okay? Right. So you could, you could, you could do some attachments, okay? In multics, you could do, not everybody allowed an attachment. Some people only allowed simple messages. Some of the smaller computers with their network, okay? So uh, I said, I'm going to do something so we can, one host, and there were, you know, different files with different uh, bits and bytes and things. And you want to make sure that the file you're sending is understandable to the other file. So I said, there's a data transfer protocol. And then there's a file transfer protocol on top of it. So how the data is done, data is assembled. And then how the file is done. What's the file name? You know, and you've got to translate it into from remote file name to a local file name. And then email was another thing. Okay. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to start a working group who, for these two applications, okay? And so I said, we'll first focus on the data and files. So once we get that going, then the email would be the next step, okay? So I got quite a few people working with me, okay? Metcalf was there, Jim White was there from different universities and things. And I was the chairman of the file transfer protocol working group. So you, okay. so my information is not accurate. You are the father of FTP. Yeah, so, you know, but you know, in a, I tell in you, a, as a it's, it's always, it's always a team. We work as a team, of okay? Course. I was the chairman, I wrote the specs, I wrote the thing, but so many people contributed. They were smarter than me. 
they knew much more about computer software and they knew much more about the operating system and the innards of how the file systems in the different computers are. So, and I was more of the arbitrator of what would work and taking some of the best ideas and putting them together. So I have a question up here. Uh, yeah. How do you even come up with the idea of FTP? Like, why do you need, uh, why do you need to create FTP? That, that's because- Okay, okay so sim simple thing, okay? I, I get your question. The simple thing is that you have a computer here, computer here. What do computers have? Data and how is data stored in files? Okay, in your data and your computer. Anyway, they're files, information. Even if it's a text document, it's a file. Okay, this file is a file, it's a document or anything. If you want to transmit the document from your system to another system, okay, which is completely different, okay you have to have some kind of a standard protocol of a, of a middle way that is doing that both can understand and retranslate. One-to-one -one is easy. You know, you say, okay, you use my, I use yours, I'll translate it and I'll translate to yours. But right. when it becomes six or eight or three, the combinations multiply. You can't do one to 10 different systems. Sure. Okay. So therefore, it's easier to have a standard and put it into a standard protocol and how you exchange the files, how you name them, how you transmit them, and how they're assured that this is the same data arriving. Okay? And the other person is using from his computer and he says, hey, it's the same thing. The integrity, the accuracy, the security, all those things come in. Okay? So, and I was just kind of, you know, listening to people, giving my ideas, and people will shoot it down. I said, fine, you know, I'm not the expert, you tell me. But I say, hey, if you do this thing, and that guy wants to do this thing, it won't work in the other system. So I was more, I would say, arbiter, trying to get people working together. Okay, same like when we had the Pan IIT. You know, six, seven IITs, everybody had their own opinion. Hey, you got somebody to say, hey, you know, we're gonna do it this way. So you can't have a big ego. If you have big you have only my idea, same with Windsor. Windsor was the chairman, became the chairman of the overall networking group. Okay. And Windsor has the same qualities. And he was very hard of hearing. I don't know if you know that. No. He's hearing impaired even then. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And he had hearing aid. And he was in his 20s. And wow. he was married. And his kids. Okay. He was the oldest of us. There, I was in the mid-20s also, okay? In 69, I was 25, 26. I had gotten married. My first kid was just born. So we had, he and I connected also. There are a few others who were seniors, but not in the very early group, okay? So anyway, coming back to it. Phenomenal so, journey of it. So, so in 1970, September, I connected the Multics, okay? Up to by October, it was working. Wow. Okay? And then in about in the fall, about November, December, I became the chairman of the file transfer working group, uh, file transfer protocol group. Okay. And then uh, in April of 71, I wrote the first version of FTP, published on the network so people could start using it, connecting it. it all became working pretty well because we had been practicing with it and trying to work with it before we published the specs. So you got to debug the specs. Right. Okay, you can't just publish the specs and say, hey, everybody say, hey, it doesn't work, okay? So you want to make sure that the specs work. So okay. it's almost like and, open source and, in okay. our way. And, and now, now let me tell you the story about email, okay? As they were coming, I said, you know, we need to put email with the FTP because we can't have too many processors. We don't want to have a separate email processor because you know the computers are very small. I told you, the 256 kilobit to eight megabit core memory. Hey, come on, how much processors you can be running simultaneously? It's not like today's gigabyte core memory computers, okay? 256 kilobyte compared to a gigabyte is not just a thousand times smaller, it is a million times smaller than 256 gigabytes, which you can get on a pen drive now. I have a pen drive with 256 gigabytes. I'm sure you have one too. 
Okay, so you got to put yourself back. Okay, so we said, okay, we're going to have one processor. So I said, okay, I'll put two command, mail and mail file, M-A-I-L and M-L-F-L. Okay, these were, if you read the first thing, that those two commands are there. John Postel said, you know, hey, we should do it together, who passed away some many years ago. He was like the keeper of the specs for everybody, all the protocols. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Uh, so we published the email was part of the FTP for many years, from 71 to I think 75, when we SMTP was put as a separate protocol and taken away from FTP. And as it, because by that time, the computer technology in five years, you know, you know the Moore's law. Every four years or five, it doubles, okay? So now the computers have doubled in capacity and in speed. So we could afford to have a separate mail server. And SMTP was a simple mail transport protocol. Okay, after IMAP comes much later. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, what happens now is that people now start using mail and mail file. Uh, now we have a lot of uh, kind of you know different email addresses and things. So we needed to put uh, first we were just putting like your name at 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 space okay at a certain host. So it's like you are Sanjeev Goel and your local name at space at and your host name, mm -hmm. say MIT uh, Multix. So it'll say Abhay Bhushan or my username there was, I think, uh, AK Bhushan at MIT dash Multix. So we had at, at that time we had about a dozen or 18 or 20 hosts by 70, early 71 connected. They were increasing, you know, very regularly. And so at that time, Ray Tomlinson was part of our group. So we said we need to standardize mail headers because everybody has some has dot period, some has at, some has this thing, that thing. So we said we need to standardize as what can go in your username, how it can be, and what can be like a host name standard. Otherwise, you can't have a host name like 50 characters. Somebody has said my host name is this and that and special characters. And so that's why you have all these internet things that you have to have dot and dash and you can't have certain things in your name. Domain name. So at that time, Ray Tomlinson at Bold Brannick and Newman, he was using the at sign. He, they had three computers connected to in Bold Brannick, even before the internet email. He was using at sign to separate his users from the three different host names. So we all looked and said, hey, Ray, that's a pretty neat thing, okay? Because it only requires one character at sign, doesn't require a space, at, space, and a host name. Yeah. Okay. I said, hey, why don't we just mix it and use at sign? So I said, I was the chairman, and I said, that's a fantastic idea. Ray, you're a genius. We should do it. It will save processing time. At the same time, I think it looks well. One character at, at sign. Now somebody complained that, you know, in my teletype writer, a kill character. Means it kills, it's a null character. At is a null character. And in a teletype, it kills, it makes the teletype go dead. Oh, okay, wow. Okay, so I said, hey, how many teletypes are on the network? You know what a teletype writer is? It was a remote typewriter terminal connected to a host. So they said, well, maybe a few, but I have one. So I said, hey, you, how are you connected? He said to a computer, I said, your host computer can substitute this at sign to whatever character you want. So he said, yeah, I think we can do that. So that's how we got the at sign. At, wow. Well, it's not my invention. What a story, Tomlinson. what a story. Yeah. And so, you know, so we started kind of working and thing. And then I was kind of, you know, quite, we were meeting in every place. So University of Colorado, Okay, we're meeting in UCLA, we're meeting in Stanford, uh, SRI, uh, we're meeting in Berkeley, we're meeting in, uh, I went to uh, Urbana Champaign, you know, the University of Illinois, they were part of the network. We met in uh, Washington, D.C., we met in New Jersey, we met in many different cities, our meetings, network working group. In Boston, of course, mm -hmm. uh, rather Cambridge, we're MIT and other, uh, Bold Brannick and Newman, other people were. And so it was a fun time. 
And then I joined Xerox Corporation. Because then, you know, Xerox Palo Alto Research Center, they were in the forefront of technology. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So you must so, be hanging out ahead. with Steve Jobs and Bill Gates too at that time. They were just kids. Oh, I mean, this is Steve Jobs, uh, Apple Computer, Microsoft, they started much later. Right, right. I mean, even the company started much later. True. It true. was a little PC, like an Apple, that Steve Jobs had come in. And then uh, Bill Gates started this uh, uh, program, you know, with a little thing. Uh, and they call the DOS and things, disk operating system, and uh, with Microsoft. He left, uh, you know, Harvard yeah. to start that. But well, I didn't meet Bill Gates at, until the Pan IIT 2003, 2003. conference in, that, we, that we had him as the keynote speaker. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have, uh, you know, built, uh, I will say is for most of the, Indians who may not know you, they have no idea that people like you, and especially you, have built, paved the path for all of us to thrive. Actually, okay. what you but have see, done in the uh, 70s and 80s has uh, changed our future. Right. But, but let me tell you, people at that time, we were discussing, Wind, myself, other people, hey, how are we going to use the network? The largest imagination we had was going to be used like all the world's information, like what Google does. Books and things will be on the network accessible to everybody like at libraries of the future. Wow. Okay. So people, so we had that. Okay. And, and so like, storage, I said, you know, storage will be cheap. We're, ex we're extrapolating the Moore's law even before. Mm -hmm. Moore said, this is what is happening. Because we could see it happening. Yeah. And, uh, but we did not have any idea of the commercialism. We all came from the university kind that of makes... environment and thing. And, you know, the, the browser had to be born to start seeing the commercial applications. True, true. And so now internet is used so much for commerce. You know, like Amazon. Yeah. The world's buying and selling and marketplaces and things. Uh, commerce is handled on the internet. So we had a pretty good idea of the information. That people will store information, will organize it, will run programs and process information and that kind of a thing. And we had no idea it will become so big. So I'll, I'll now come to the internet protocol part of it. So I joined Xerox, okay? And Xerox was doing the ethernet. The Metcalf invented like in 1980, 1980. And by this time, a number of networks had come uh, through local area networks, as well as two or three different radio, packet radio networks that the guy who started Qualcomm, okay? He was part of the group. Hmm? Jacob. Yeah, Jacobs, Arvind Jacobs. So I remember him. He was much younger then, in the 70s. Okay, so I, I met him recently. At that time. Yeah. Yeah, I met okay, him I, I, years ago. Yeah, but the Qualcomm was not started at that time. It was involved in packet radio and things like that. So Arvind Jacobs. Uh, you know what is his reg biggest regret? What? He put two M's in Qualcomm. He said, I should have I put see. just C-O-M, not two M's. <laughs> Jokingly, of course. No, 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 no. He, he and I met at the, what is called, I think it was called the 35th anniversary of the internet. Nice. We had a computer history museum, a program. So, Phenomenal guy. Uh, Phenomenal guy. Okay, so what had happened is that uh, around in the mid-70s uh, or late-70s, they connected different... Uh, the different networks together. So they say, hey, we need a protocol for internet connection. So that's why IP was formed, internet protocol. How do you connect diverse networks to each other? Okay. Wow. So that's that part of it. And I was working in Xerox. Xerox, I was involved with the, being the manager of the system integration standards and, product and architecture for uh, Xerox network systems. Now, before, at that time, there was a race between Xerox network system and the internet TCP IP was coming separately. And everybody was using the White House, Microsoft, all the major, they were using XNS. We had the Star Workstation in 1980 before a Macintosh. Now, Steve Jobs looked at it 
and he got some of the Xerox people working on the Macintosh, mm. which I think was announced in 81 or 84, I think, somewhere there. Yeah, I believe so. Star was announced in 81. Star was announced in 81. And Macintosh came in 84. Wow. But we had these, all these network systems with remote directories, multiple mail systems, file system, printing system, all integrated with all the protocols and everything. But Xerox is a very bad thing. I would say very, uh, not bad. I mean, they had this thing that this is our standard, our thing, we can't make it public. Short-sightedness. Uh, uh, Chuck Geshke and John Warnock, you know who they are. They're the founders of Adobe Systems. Oh, wow. Okay, so they were working at Palo Alto Research Center on something called Interpress. Interpress was a language. So they said, hey, you should make it public. Okay, Metcalf came and said, why don't you make XNS and all the thing public? Because Apple is asking for it. This was back in 1983, 84. To run their Macintosh network. So Apple talk, they want to use XNS. But they just don't want the, they want the full standards. So they can have the file system standards, the mail system standards, the printing system standard. They want to use the whole thing. Okay. Now in 80, I think it must have been, let me see, I think 81 or somewhere, or eight, maybe 80, 83, 84 when Adobe was started. Uh, Jay Geshki, uh, I think must have been, I'm just thinking, it's probably in 81. 81. Geshki and Warnock were there with the, in Stanford, Connecticut, with our VP and uh, the senior vice president of uh, Xerox. And he just refused to let us open uh, the network. Start. Okay. So Geshki and Warnock, they left and they started Adobe. They formed something called Postscript. Okay. It's not as good as Interpress. Yeah. But Warnock, Warnock was the main author of Interpress. But Xerox said, you can't use it. Xerox had to have legal things. And they said, no, no, we have started with the note before Interpress. This is what I did. I'm, this is a different path for it. Okay. And then uh, Metcalf left to start 3Com Corporation. Mm -hmm. Okay, to make uh, uh, Ethernet routers and Ethernet things. So people were kind of still leaving. And Geshkin Warnock, Geshki said, you know, I want you work for Adobe with us, okay? And I said, you know, at that particular time, I was uh, said, you know, I think I'm going to do a Xerox because Xerox was more secure and safe. I didn't have the concept how Adobe, how big Adobe will become, yeah. okay? But even otherwise, you know, it was perfectly kind of, you know, uh, I was there. So my kind of thing to people um, who are listening here is, Follow your passions. There are opportunities everywhere. See what is of interest to you. Grab it and go with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is the energy that gives you to execute what you want to do. Now, this is an interesting story with it. I was in the PhD program at MIT. Okay, so I'd done all my uh, things, you know, qualifying exams, everything else. I was all set. Only, only thing that was required was the thesis. So I put my thesis proposal, the forerunner, and this is back in 1970, okay? Forerunner of the, what is now, um, you would even say HTML type thing, that people, we could use different information and, and use it together in some kind of a thing, but I didn't have computer linguistic background, okay? So they rejected my thesis proposal. Oh, and I got a little hot under the collar. I said, what's the thing? He said, this is an engineering project. What you're trying to do is build something. It doesn't have the theoretical underpinning of what you're raising, what is, would be called a PhD topic. Internet network doesn't qualify for that. But this is, they had no concept. They only did working in the computer linguistics models, okay? And so my old professor, Bill Schreiber, who had actually introduced the first TV system back in 1965 at IIT Kanpur in India. Oh, wow. They were making TV program where there was no city in India had TV. Only IIT Kanpur had it. And so government of India complained. They say, hey, you're doing illegal broadcasting. So he put a cable to run those monitors. Mm -hmm. So we had cable TV at IIT Kanpur. Mm 
Wow. And our first convocation in 65 was broadcasted on cable TV. So Bill Schreiber came to me because he was my master's thesis professor on picture processing. So Bill said, hey, you know, these guys don't know much. Why don't you come and finish your PhD under me again? Because you've done so much on picture processing, you know, which is efficient transmission and coding of color pictures. Yeah. Uh, this is what you do when you take a picture and you can see how you can code it so you can take the fewest amount of bits to transmit it. Just like what you use here today on the movies that you screen. They're not the big, huge movies. They are efficiently coded to go through the network and you can stream them. Yeah. Amazing and coded. Okay. So, so, so he said, why don't you work on this thing? Because my the master's thesis topic was efficient transmission and coding of color pictures. Okay. So I went there and, you know, I was there for one month. I couldn't stand it. It was not my passion. I said, my passion is on the computer network. And then Lick Lider came to me and says, you know, why don't you work full time over here? I'll give you a job working with a thing. And I had two kids by January 71. Okay. And I said, okay, you know, he gave me a good salary offer, good thing. Okay. I said, I tell Bill, you know, I, PhD, what's the thing? I'm going to do building. I'm going to do things. I don't want to be an academic university professor. Okay. He said, what's wrong with the university professor? I said, no, they're very good. I totally value writer is a professor. Okay. But that's not my passion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Though I find joy in teaching, but I'm, I found joy in building. Of course, you can do the geniuses in the end. That means you can do a, be a university professor. You can start companies. Bill said, I have started companies. He started actually two companies. ECRM and thing. So I said, yeah, but you know, Bill, I want to work on the network. It's not about building. I think you can build com companies. You can do anything. But I want to work on this, this computer network. I love what is happening there. Okay. So I want to be there. So he said, okay. I still advise you get your PhD. <laughs> because, you know, PhDs, have the respect for PhDs. They want to make their people more PhDs in their own line. Of course. But I said, so I said, okay, but I said, I'll get an MBA. Okay. So in 71, okay, I got an MBA at Sohn School. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. So I said, hey, you know, that's the successful. Because I had done most of the courses and things. I said, this is no big deal. I bet so, that must be an amazing journey, and it's a, I can I can talk to you for hours and hey, hours. Hey, at, at that time, I was father of two kids, yeah. and my wife was not working. Okay, so I had to support a family. So that also went into the equation. Otherwise, I was on a student, you know, research assistantship. But what, how I would support the family, like in seventy and before I took the full time job, I would just work in the summer. Yeah, or okay? jobs and other take things. a consulting assignment. Okay or write for the local rag magazines. And they would pay me pretty well. It's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal, Abed. Your journey yeah. is very inspiring for a lot of okay. people. But, but, but again, what I said, follow the passion. In 1970, when I joined Xerox, in 78, uh, you know, before my, my grandfather, my mother's father passed away in 1976, before my Father's father passed away in 1969. Okay. The board, since I'm the oldest grandson, my sister is one year older than me. And for both of them, they had a big plan. They said, you must do something for India. And before they passed away, I got married to an American in 1968. My grandfather first opposed it. But then he, uh, my actually brother-in-law, my sister married an Australian. She was at Stanford. She was one of the first woman PhDs in electrical engineering at Stanford. Wow. Manjula Bhushan Waldron. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so my brother-in-law, Ken, who is a big professor of robotics and mechanical engineering, and now, of course, professor emeritus at Stanford. Okay. And also at Ohio State, he was the head of the department. And very well, they made a Ken Waldron day at Ohio State. So he wrote a letter to my father, my grandfather. Say, you know, this is off the cuff, okay? Interesting story, but I can tell you sometime later. All right, no. coming, back, coming back to, the thing is that both my grandparents, 
wanted me to do something for India. So my dad made me promise that I will spend some time serving the poor. Because my, my, my Babaji, my uh, father's grandfather on father's side, he was a, went to jail fighting for Gandhi opposing. My grandmother went to jail, my Tadiji. Uh, for fighting for independence of India. So I was filled with this world of wanting to do something for the poor people. My maternal grandfather, he donated everything he had. He was a civil engineer and he was a Rai Bahadur Kitab they gave him. But he gave everything away and he did his Ambar Charka. He became a follower of Gandhi and Vinoba Bhave. And we had a big Ambar Charka in his thing. And he says, you know, our my, our duty is to make sure the rest of us are equally well off as us. So I'm going to wear very simple thing, which only the common man can afford. So this is the idea that I was brought up in. So they made me kind of, not promise and his promise, but they said, will you work for poor people? I said, absolutely, I'll come, you know. So uh, as I went back, I tried to actually find a job in India in 71, 74 before I joined Xerox in 74, after I graduated. And they all told me, uh, you are in computers, they had never heard of computer networks. Few people had worked hard for computers. They said, oh, you know, you can join IBM selling computers. So I said, Paro Farsi, Becho Tel, Dekho Kismat Ka Khel. That's okay. Yeah, you can read Farsi, but if you're selling oil, see what happens. So, I mean, I, I be, and, you know, Wipro was done by an oil salesperson. You know that. Yasim Premji. So, Paro Farsi Becho Tel, Pirpanao Computer Ke Khel. So, that happens with Wipro. He did it, Tom, and they did it yeah. phenomenally well. That's right. Azim Premji, I've met a number of times, but he's a wonderful person. Totally dedicated to education, dedicated to building a better India. So, then I said, I'm going to devote one year of my lifetime at least working for the poor in India. So I took a leave from Xerox Corporation. And in 78 to 79, I went back to the villages in India to see how the poor people really working, started an integrated village development program. And that was, I think, the best year of my life. And the reason I say it was the best year of my life is because I learned so much. Every day, I was helping hundreds of people. We started a hospital there. We started this uh, appropriate technology, biointensive farming. Okay. Uh, the, the biggest complication, there was not a single water seal latrine. In fact, there were hardly any latrines. Even the old style latrines, there were maybe just a few. Okay. People used to just go out in the woods. Okay. And there were, there were no woods. I mean, the woods were being systematic. And so it was very, very difficult. So I said, we're going to have uh, sanitary latrines installed in the village, paid by the people, and they were all willing to do it. So, and we manufactured those things in the village itself. You know, the toilet seats and everything. I mean, they're squat toilets. So with the, yeah. uh, with the uh, you know, with concrete and things and shine them up so they're smooth. And uh, at the same time, the PRAI type uh, you know, tanks that you could change and it made a good slurry which could be used as uh, fertilizer. So this is not high tech, not computers, it's very low tech, but it's providing jobs. And in 70, when I was leaving, I mean, 79 January, WGBH from US, okay, NOVA program. On the TV here, they have a program called NOVA program. Have you seen NOVA program sometimes? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Okay, PBS. So in 79, they came there and they wanted to do a series on appropriate technology and how technology at a village scale was transforming India. So they came and they spent about two, three days. They filmed me and they called, uh, they made a series called India Machinery of Hope. And it was shown one hour program on nationwide TV. Wow. Okay. In the US in 79 November. Wow. And about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of that was uh, focused on what the work I was doing. So this is, in, Abhay, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, just like Shah Rukh Khan's movie, Sabdesh. Is it inspired by your story? I don't know. But you know, the question is, so this particular thing, I mean, I still, I think, have somewhere a video, old video of the recording Please. from that India Machinery of Hope program. But it was, 
it was kind of, so when I came back, Sam Petroda saw that program. And I was working at Xerox and also in the strategic group. So we were trying to buy Sam's company, Westcom, Technolo Westcom Technology. Uh, Westcom Digital, I think, Westcom Digital. We didn't you, buy it. Xerox, uh, didn't, Xerox did not buy it. Okay. But I met Sam. So Sam said, I know you. I've met you. So I said, Sam, you know, I've never met you. You're in, in Chicago. Okay. And, but he said, you know, but you're so familiar. Hmm? So he started talking. I said, you know, I just came back I, by spending a year in this. I know, I know. I saw you on the NOVA program. Uh, I said, yes, you did see me on the NOVA program. Oh, so man. that my wife, and then we became a good friend, you know, uh, and I visited him in India when Rajiv Gandhi had called him to start C dot uh, communications and things. And so Sam was fantastic. He, he and I've met him many, many times since. He's kind of good friend. So this is you know, how you're going to meet people at different things. Yeah, no, it's phenomenal. So, so then, again, I come back to the same thing. Follow your passions. One of the passions I had was serving the poor, spending time with them. So I took the time to follow my passions. After I came back, you know, the whole Xerox, when I, they were getting out of the, all the workstation business, they gave it to Sun. They gave the networking business, almost handed it over to Cisco. Okay. And they were just getting out of the uh, whole computer uh, networking, XNS, all the business. So at that point, I had a choice, what do I do? That's, a, a Geshki, that's the time Geshki approached me and said, you know, why don't you work for Adobe? He knew that Xerox was getting out and he and I were good friends. So I thought about it and I said, you know, I got involved with Earth Day 1990. At, in Palo Alto, we were at the headquarters for Earth Day 1990 in 89 December. And at the same time, I was working with them and I got passionate about environment and greening of corporate America. So I said, you know, uh, can you hear me still? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you well. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of, you know, said, you know, I need to green Xerox uh, corporations. So I started inquiring within Xerox, calling people and saying, uh, you know, hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? So I got an environment, health and safety group, other groups, and I wrote a 20 page paper called Greening of Xerox. Send it to the CEO. Say, hey, you know, I'm going to call, I want you to approve this program. I'm coming out of nowhere. I'm in the, here on the West Coast working on the computers and thing, sending him saying, and I said, you know, it's going to save you $100 million a year. Okay. So he said, okay, even if you save me a million dollars a year, why don't you do it? I'm interested. But work in the environment, health and safety group. I said, okay. So I started a program called Xerox, but I don't want to call it greening of Xerox. I want to call it environmental leadership. I said, I have no problem with the name. Greening, I just put the greening of Xerox, okay? Yeah. So, uh, so I said, he said, what do you need? I said, I need a budget of $300,000 and my salary. Okay, so he said, done. Okay, and I think we saved, uh, over the period, we saved four or $500 million a year. Wow. And again, I'm not an environmental kind of engineering person, but you know, you work with the people, you have a passion, you energize the people. So the, my contribution was to create an environment where every Xerox employee and group will look at something and say, what can I do to make it better? that may save Xerox money. It will require some initial investment, that's fine. It has to have some payback. We help the environment and make life better and make Xerox Corporation also look better to everyone else. So, you know, just like a, a, go get on a soapbox and motivate people. And, you know, I had some knowledge. It's not that I was totally dumb in it. I had studied a lot and worked on my own time getting up on it. And then went on a soapbox trying to uh, make other corporations Okay, become more green. So I told the McDonald's guy who was there, okay, one of the senior VP, hey, you know, and I told the Kodak guy, I said, you know, you have all these photo films and everything. I tell you, you'll be driven off by electronics. He said, what are you talking about? There's no resolution there. I said, you just wait and see. You got to imagine the future. So Kodak's guy said, no, 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 no. Our photo, our photographic film is going to be king. This is kind of some small little things electronic uh, thing will do. 
they never have that resolution. You know, like little, it's like for playing. Like Associated Press sends a photograph remotely. It's for all that kind of thing. Little did they know that they're going to lose. There was a guy from McDonald's. I said, you know, you could sell all these hamburgers and everything. But I tell you, in time, you should look at uh, vegetarian substitute veggie burgers. Because they're going to come. So you should start planning on it. He said, no, no. We are McDonald's. We are beef. Uh, there were commercials going on. Show me the beef. Who has more beef? Whether Burger King or McDonald's. Or this. I say, no, beef and thing. The real beef is looking at the future and creating the future. But it made some inroad, maybe didn't convince them. So I was in a soapbox lecturing with, for environmental. Uh, we started an organization called Bay Area Action in 1990, co-founded it. And it now is called Ectera. It joined with another program as part of Peninsula Conservation Center Foundation. And so that got started. It's still continuing Ectera. So the environment became a real passion. In 84, when I moved here, this is before even 1990, I was one of the first people to involve solar water heater on my roof. Okay, I'm one of the first people to involve solar panels. Now, of course, I have a second solar panel, which is four times more efficient at half the cost. But I want to, I got the first Prius hybrid and I got a Volt. Okay, the idea is, and I started bicycling when I moved here. So that's what put me ideas of having the environment. And people used to make fun of me. They came, one guy told me, you bicycle, you know, it's very terrible. I said, why? You're making the economy go down. Okay. Okay. I said, oh yeah, because you know, I bicycle, I'll be healthy and I won't get, need so many medical procedures. And that doesn't mean the economy will go down, but I'll be healthy. He yeah. said, would you rather be sick and get cancer and spend million dollars on your cancer treatment? Economy will go up. But we're not looking at the welfare. GDP is a false god. I used to call GDP as gross national waste. Because the more you waste, the more GDP goes up. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Okay, we should look at well-being of people. Yeah. Okay. And so that's an area I started more focusing on. Okay, with my environment leadership. Then I left Xerox. And somebody kind of challenged me that you got, hey, this is nothing what you're doing. You should create a company. You can't create a company. So I said, okay. I joined one of my friends, uh, Raj Mohindra. He was coming here to start a company called in Semiconductor Equipment and Things. And so I became co-founder of Yield Up. Okay. And we took the public company public in two and a half years. Wow. Small, small cap public. Yeah. And then we sold it to another semiconductor equipment company. And 1995, uh, 96, I started Portola Communication with another uh, friend, colleague. And that was bought by about a year and a half. It was bought by Netscape, wow. which was bought by AOL. Yeah. And you know, there were small things because you know, we were very early exits. Okay, But you never know what happens. Most of the comp many companies go down and things like that. I'm still involved with some entrepreneurship. I started mentoring some entrepreneurs locally. Mm -hmm. And IIT campus. Entrepreneurship is a very good thing because it helps put ideas to action, helps create jobs when you build companies to build something, whether it's a network or whether it's a group, an organization, or an, or an idea that grows. And in, in fact, it's a very good thing. So again, you followed the passion. For some, so many years and decades, I had a passion that I want to build companies and help entrepreneurship both India and here. So I was kind of doing that. And that's why I got involved, I think, with you and many other people. Pan IIT was another thing I said, if IIT is met together and created a network, they could help each other and create ideas, inspire each other. The idea is to inspire each other. And that's what is important. True, true. And, you know, so I, 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 I'd like to see my, but my interests, none of those interests go away. That's what I want to tell you. Genius is in the end. You can't say, hey, if you I'm still following the environment, still care about the environment, helping environment. I still do. After I came back, I got involved with Indians for Collective Action, because the only group that was helping rural development, uh, caring about the social aspect, education, 
uh, Asha for Education, we helped start there within Sandeep Pandey, Deepak Gupta. They came to me and said, they want to do education. But I said, great idea. Let's go for it. So ideas, look at their ideas, challenge them, inspire them, let them grow it. Now, Asha has become a very big group. And the good idea about is, yeah, in, they started, I think, in 90, must have been 92. He, they came to me. And then in 98, we spun them out of Indians for Collective Action. Prabhu Goel came and said, you know, hey, if you want to do you know, this uh, fund scholarship for people who are bright, okay? So I said, Prabhu, and Mashru and myself, we used to Prabhu, let's do it, okay? So we started foundation, we said, we used to call foundation of excellence, okay, that's acronym is F-O-E, FO, that's not a good acronym. Then he said, it's not of excellence, it's for excellence of the people. So we renamed it Foundation for Excellence. And then we, after a year and a half or so, we spun it out from Indians for Collective Action. And that's where I first came to know Prabhu. Not because of IIT Kanpur, but because he wanted to do something. He had just come from Boston, moved here. Okay. And so that is remained actually central to me to help social entrepreneurs, help people who have the visions to transfer to make a new India. So, Abhay, you know, I can't thank you enough. I can talk to you for hours. I know you for almost two decades now. And uh, one thing, uh, you know, if there is an award which I can give you, I will say you are the person I always look up to. And every single IIT I talk to, they just look up to. And uh, today, uh, Abhay, especially in today's conversation, I'll say I've learned three things. One is passion. If you are passionate about something, word changes. Word will fall in your, on your feet because you are passionate about it. Second thing is your curiosity or your desire to learn. Always learning, always, always learning. And third is really give back because when you give back, it's just a phenomenal impact. And a lot of us are uh, in the pursuit of creating wealth, which is not a bad thing. But at the same time, if we continue to give back to society, we can change the world. Once again, Abhay, thank you very much for joining us today yeah. and supporting okay. com our community. Yeah, I just want to tell one more thing about the Asha. Please. Because, Please. because of Asha, they called me to give a keynote speech to start their, launch their marathon program wow. in 2001. So I gave the keynote speech. On the spur of the moment, I was at that time, I think, uh, 57, uh, 2001, I'm born in 44. So I told them, okay, guys, how many of you are over 40? Zero hands went up. Over 30, quite a few hands went up. Over 20, most of the hands went up. So I said, you know, I'm going to be 57. And, you know, no, I'll... I can tell you all about why it's important to raise money for education in India. I can tell you all those things. Every runner was supposed to raise 2620 $100 for each mile. Okay. So I said, I can help you with the fundraising. You all sign up. And it's not difficult because I'm going to be 57. I'm going to run the marathon with you. And I came back, told my wife, I'm going to run a marathon. Uh, he said, by, by yourself. I said, what do you think? I buy myself. He said, I'm going to run with you. Wow. So she also trained for the marathon. She's run six, six, eight marathon. And that's the best thing I did because it made me healthy. Okay. After that, I've run countless marathon. I helped organize an ultra marathon, 50 kilometers at IIT Kanpur for the Golden Jubilee. Wow. And I ran it. And I was 65. Wow. In 2010. And I bet you can okay. still do marathon. And, and then, I did a, then, I did a, then I did an Ironman triathlon. Nice. Okay. So... It, so again, it develop a passion, develop a passion for running. I've not a passion for running or biking, biking I had. So Ironman triathlon. So, you know, just follow everything. Don't be afraid. So that's why my name of my mother named me Abhay, which means have no fear. Yeah, okay? you're living proof so, of that. So don't get fear in the way. What's the insecurity? Uh, come on. I mean, you won't be proper or go on the street. So don't be afraid. Follow the passion. Take your chances. Approach life with courage. Do new things. Get involved. Work with people. Enjoy.
Abhay, okay, I thank can't you. thank you enough. This is so exciting and I am going to be in Bay Area, so I'd love to hang out with you. I'll uh, send you an email on that note. But uh, sure. I wanted to conclude our uh, uh, one hour. Uh, I'm Sanjeev Goyal, conference chair of ID2020.org. You just heard Abhay. There are going to be a lot of phenomenal people like him at our event on December 4th and 5th. It's a virtual conference. Please do join us. Our event is open to all. Register at iit2020.org. Our event is open to all. Thank you very, very much.